0: Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. I've always had
1: the view that, and this is Oscar Wilde, there's only one thing worse than being talked about and that's not being talked about
2: availability is essentially the idea that we react to things and we we judge their likelihood of happening based on how easy it is for us to imagine it happening
1: first thing is you've got to understand who your customers are because there's no point in marketing to a group of people that are never gonna buy your services the second thing is to start to think about what are the unmet needs that they have how are you gonna start designing your marketing to be more available Hi, this is your host, Colin Shaw. One of our listeners come up with a really good idea. They said that they tend to listen to the podcast whilst traveling and when they're at the gym, and they find it difficult to make notes, and they want to make notes because they want to have a record of it and share it with others to implement some of the ideas. So we decided that after each podcast, we're gonna upload a short written summary of the podcast. Now this will include the key takeaways and our recommended action. You can download this at beyondphilosophy.com backslash podcast summary. That again is beyondphilosophy.com backslash
2: podcast summary. Now on with the show. So Colin, you live near the ocean, near-ish the ocean, yes? I do. And you enjoy fishing? If global warming carries on, I'll be living closer. (laughs) Closer still. (laughs) In Florida, in in England, you're surrounded by water, technically. So I'm going to assume you think a lot about sharks. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course you do. You're a normal person. We all think a lot about sharks. We're all a little bit terrified of sharks. I can remember as a child swimming in a swimming pool and being afraid of closing my eyes because I was sure that if I did somehow there could be a shark that would be in the pool with me. And how would you know if you close your eyes? Wait, in the swimming pool. In a swimming pool. Well, I mean it's water. Okay. So I know how sharks work. When you make a cup
1: of tea and you put the water in the kettle, you're expecting a shark to be in their right?
2: way. No. I mean, you've already boiled the water. <laughs> Why do you think they boil the water for tea? It's to make sure there are no sharks. That's, that was yeah, very fast welcome. of you. Well, you. well done. <laughs> so people are way more afraid of sharks and shark attacks specifically than we should be empirically. Like I've got some numbers since the year 1580, this is how long they've been charting shark attacks, there have been just over 2,000 shark attacks, of which 471 were fatal. That's about six attacks per year, one of which is fatal. And how many of those have been in swimming boats? <laughs> it doesn't say. Uh, I'm going to say about half.
1: About half were... You mean in the 1500s they didn't record how many were in
2: swimming baths? A lot of them were attacking little <laughs> boys swimming in indoor, <laughs> in-ground swimming pools. Yes, uh, I, d- I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's a lot. <laughs> I mean, that is a remarkably small number, isn't it? Really, it is. It's a it's a remarkably small number given how much how much head space it takes up. But well, not just that. I mean, it's on the bloody television. And was it the Shark Week? And- That's right. The Discovery Channel is Shark Week. There was a great movie that came out several years ago on, on the sci-fi channel called Sharknado, which I assume was basically a documentary. It was about a tornado full of sharks that had descended on some hapless town. It was a great sci-fi movie. It sounds like- No, it was terrible. We're all afraid of, of sharks and of, sh- of sharks killing us, even though the numbers are objectively small. And the reason is this psychological phenomenon that we're going to talk about today, which is something called availability. Mm-hmm. Availability is essentially the idea that we react to things and we, we judge their likelihood of happening based on how easy it is for us to imagine it happening or to remember it happening to ourselves or other people. So the reason that I could ridiculously be afraid of a shark biting my leg while I was in a swimming pool is because I could imagine it happening. Feel very vulnerable when you can't swim very well and you're flopping around in the water there and you can just imagine something grabbing your leg and pulling you under. And because it's so vivid, there's a part of your brain that goes, well, if I can imagine it this easily, it must be likely to happen. Like this must be a thing that could go down and that's availability. So because the the image is so available to us, we judge it as likely. So I presume that gets into
1: a sort of the similar situation in terms of recognition. And in other words, I don't know, think of McDonald's, the arches, that because they're so prevalent everywhere, that that would influence
2: your choice as well, I presume. Does that make sense or not? Oh, it, it absolutely plays into it, yeah. First, let's talk about why if availability is not too bad. Like, if you're trying to judge the likelihood of something happening, the easier it is for you to bring it to mind, to remember instances of it, or to construct a scenario where it could happen. For a lot of things, then that's kind of reasonable. Like, if, if it happens a lot, then it should be easy for you to remember happening. And so you can kind of use this. It's called metacognition. It's thinking about thinking. You can use this ease of recall as evidence that something is, is likely. It'll be correct some of the time. It's not a terrible way of doing things. The problem is there's lots of other stuff that can make something more vivid or easy to remember or easy to imagine that has nothing to do with its prevalence. If something happened very recently, then we will tend to think that it is more likely even though it is not. If something is very kind of visceral or fear-related, it'll be easy for us to remember or to to imagine, and even if it's got nothing to do with anything. And that's the problem with shark attacks.
1: Let me go from shark
2: attacks to the business environment So going from something more relevant to people's everyday lives to less relevant to people's <laughs> everyday lives. Go ahead. You mean from shark attacks do what they do. Um, yeah. Do yeah, anything else. Anything. Cause, else. Cause we should just, we're going to change. This is going to be a, podcast about shark attacks from now on. <laughs> I realize we've been neglecting this important topic all these years.
1: I'll never be able to go into a swimming pool without thinking there are sharks after me now. Good. You're welcome. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, let's get serious for a moment because okay. we had some good news, which is that Beyond Philosophy has been recognized as one of the best management consultancies for the second year in a row. Okay, which Congratulations. is something, thank you, I'm really proud of. The interesting bit is I think it actually all ties together because the way that they do this is they ask peers and client side. So customers, not necessarily our customers, but people in business. And part of that award is to do with what we're talking about today because I've always had the view that – and this is Oscar Wilde, there's only one thing worse than being talked about, and that's not being talked about. Yeah. So therefore, we do a lot of social media. We do a lot of content marketing. We do all this, but the podcast, we do lots of stuff. And I guess what happens is, hopefully, and the numbers show, we doubled the number of people that downloaded this podcast last year. So the numbers show that the recognition is getting out there. And I guess that's part of the reason why we got the award is because it's about the availability heuristic and people recognize us more and they see us around a lot and therefore think that the work that we do is good and therefore voted for us that's one of the reasons we got the award i presume we wouldn't have got the award if we did bad things that ties into it as well but i guess that's the case yes
2: the availability heuristic is very much a Memory based effect, which is one of your favorite topics. All right. It's how easy is it to recall this? How easy is it to remember it? It's also about how easy is it to imagine it happening. But even that is often based off of memories. So the reason it was so easy for me to imagine a shark attack as a boy was not because I'd ever seen one or experienced one, but because I'd, I'd seen it happen in movies and TV shows and, and so on. So it was easy for me to imagine. So yeah, it is very much a, a memory effect. So if we want to tie this to, customer experience more directly, people make judgments about future interactions with companies based on what they've heard and, and what they've seen and what they've experienced in the past. If you're going to say, well, should I go to this place or should I go to that place? Some part of that judgment is going to be based on well, what do I anticipate the experience is going to be there. I can shop at a Walmart or at a, a Publix, which is a kind of a nice grocery store. They're both fairly close to my house. I know I'm going to expect a very different experience in those two places. And part of that is based on the availability heuristic, right? So I'm able to recall vivid experiences from both of those places. And that drives my anticipation of what the future experience is going to be.
1: Sure. So this is a bit like, and we always warn people that, there's never one thing happening, okay? So the availability heuristic is important, but it's not just the only thing that that's happening. I was talking to one of our listeners a couple of weeks ago. They contacted us and asked us a few questions about one of the podcasts that we did, and I was having a chat with them. The long and short of it is, They said to me, oh, it's really interesting talking to you because I feel I know you because we're on this every week and and people listen. And I guess the point I'm trying to make is it's, it's a bit like part of the branding, isn't it? It's people can then imagine if this is the way we are talking on the podcast, then this is the way we are or if we were doing a consultancy engagement with them, maybe with not so much of the humor, I don't know. But they can imagine those things. But
2: twice the amount of sharks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let Beyond Philosophy help you discover what your customers really want, not what they say they want, by uncovering the hidden drivers of value in your customer experience to create real ROI. Contact Beyond Philosophy by going to beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash contact.
1: In fact, I was talking to my wife only this morning and I was talking to her about how we don't talk about the number of deaths through influenza or walking across the street. People talk about that flying, I don't like flying. Everyone's worried about that. But when you actually look at the numbers of people that are killed when they're flying and people just walking across the street, it's just incredibly more people get killed walking across the street.
2: Yes, this is exactly the availability here, Stake. So we're recording this in early days for the coronavirus outbreak. And I've seen some news reporting that says The coronavirus is objectively way less dangerous than the flu. Flu kills way more people each year. It's just as contagious. And yet everybody's really freaking out about this coronavirus. Now, to be fair, there's still a lot about coronavirus that we don't know. And so that caution is good. I'm I'm not critiquing government responses to this, but... Part of the reason that we're so afraid of this inf- uh, this new virus is because of the availability heuristic. It's being reported on everywhere. And we're here getting these very vivid stories. We can see these images. And so we overemphasize the danger of it. People feel very unsafe nowadays, and people talk about how great things used to be. So these stats that I'm going to share are for the U.S., but globally, worldwide, It's getting safer all the time. Like there are pockets, there are places where things get worse, but on average, things are getting better and sometimes dramatically better. So the number of homicides and the number of gun crimes have both gone down by about half since the 1990s. And yet when you survey people, people think things are more dangerous now than they were 20 or 30 years ago. A lot of that has to do with the way we consume news and with the changes in the news cycle. We're surrounded by stories of shootings and stories of mass shootings and stories of murder all the time. I I listen to a true crime podcast sometimes. We're fascinated by these stories of of crime and of, of murder and other things. But what that does is it influences us through the availability heuristic. It seems like the world is this terrifying place because we focus on these stories and they're very vivid. Gun violence is down by half in the U.S. since I was in high school. That's crazy. Like, that is such a tremendous public safety victory, a win. And yet nobody on either side of the gun debate is talking about these statistics and the fact that things are objectively a lot better because they don't feel that way to a lot of us. So again, it's that extremes or the fact that it's being reported a lot. Yeah, It's what we focus on, and that is very vivid, and so therefore that we think that it's likely. It goes back to this, airplane crashes are rare, and so they get a lot of coverage, as they probably should. And that leads us to assume that air travel is is very dangerous, whereas you're right. I mean, more people get killed crossing the street. The underlying part, and I guess when stuff goes viral, I was sitting here
1: thinking to myself, So if you're trying to break into a marketplace, I don't know, if you're trying to get get into a fast food marketplace that's very crowded, got lots of people, lots of companies with massive marketing budgets that can afford to constantly be on TV and be in front of people, then how in the hell do you use the availability heuristic to get in there? Well, actually, you probably haven't got the budget to outspend McDonald's and therefore you have to be more creative and that's where again the sort of whole viral
2: thing starts to come into play certainly if you can get people talking about your thing in ways other than mass media advertising then that has a chance of making it available to them but to your point if availability is important to your business model and it's not to every business model but if it is to yours you're not going to do it head on against a McDonald's. You're going to need to find other ways of making your brand, your, your information available in the minds of consumers. And
1: I guess by definition, and now we're starting to get practical, because if I turned around and said to one of our friends, hey, we won the FT award for best management consultancies, because they're not in that environment, they don't know the significance of it. I guess what I'm saying is clearly there are a number of people that would know us because we are in the customer experience, growth marketplace, customer service, customer marketing. But if you're in fishing, or if you're in construction, nobody would have ever heard of us. So it's about availability within your customer group, I guess, is the point I'm trying to make.
2: Exactly. And then the availability heuristic is when you use the ease with which that name is recalled or that brand is recalled to draw some other conclusion right so if somebody's looking to hire a consultancy and they've seen the press release that that you'd won this financial times award then the fact that they've heard of you before and heard of you in some positive context is going to make them think that you will be more likely to meet their needs than somebody else
1: and it's more acceptable And as we just said, it's not just one thing, but because of that, I guess you've got social proofing and stuff like that, because everybody said these things, then they can't be wrong. And because it's the Financial Times and not the Dunstable Gazette that nobody's ever heard of, then all of those things are influencing the choice as well.
2: Yeah. As you say, there's a lot of things that could be related to that. And familiarity can do a lot of things for you in addition to availability but yeah one of the things that drives availability is familiarity
1: yeah what you do is you do all these things i said to you about oscar Wilde. there's only one thing worse than being talked about than not being talked about you don't realize you're doing all these things that are actually based around a lot of psychology you're just doing them because you think to yourself well that makes sense that seems a good thing to do and yet there's obviously a lot of science behind all these things anyway
2: yeah, I mean, there's there's kind of two flavors of, of science and psychology. One is uncovering the really surprising stuff. People should not behave this way. And yet we find that they do or they can in these circumstances. But the other very important and maybe less glamorous part is just documenting all the stuff that we, we kind of knew and maybe we're doing intuitively. But now we can say that, yes, yes, in fact, that is what's going on. And, and here's why and, and here's when and all that.
1: So what does this mean that people should
2: do then? What usual practical tips? If you're competing against kind of somebody with a big marketing budget and availability is important to your business model, what can you do about that? Remember that availability is influenced by a lot of different things. So if somebody's got a big ad budget, then they are making their brand and their messaging more familiar to people. So, you know, like you said, McDonald's is just, it's everywhere. They've been on the airwaves for decades. You're not going to win in that way, but there are other things that can also make your brand or, or your message more available. So if it was more recent than the messaging from something someplace else. If it was more vivid, it was more proximal or similar to them. So if it was a message that they really felt was tailored to them specifically or someone like them, all of these things can also make a message or an idea or a brand more available or mentally available to someone. So those would be the ways of going about it kind of indirectly. Good. And to add to that list, I would say that first thing is you've got to
1: understand who your customers are because... There's no point in marketing to a group of people that are never gonna buy your services. The second thing is to start to think about what are the unmet needs that they have? How are you gonna start designing your marketing to be more available? And if you're up against an organization that has got a massive marketing budget, you've gotta think of a different way of getting out there. What we do know is that when you start to hit that jackpot, of people recognizing you and the availability heuristic cutting in, it works. And certainly from a personal perspective, for the 18 years of Beyond Philosophy, it's always stood me in good stead. And that is the Oscar Wilde quote, there's only one thing worse than being talked about, and that's not being talked about. So by just doing stuff and getting out there, it's surprising how well the name starts to get out, that has to be backed up by performance. It's no good just saying that you're great because people will find out if you're not. So you have to back that up with uh, the performance as well. So thank you very much for everyone joining today. If you have any suggestions on what we should cover, if you've got any questions, just want to reach out and have a chat, then feel free to contact us. Just drop us a line on contact at beyondphilosophy.com. That's contact at beyondphilosophy.com and we'll talk to you next week. Don't forget to download a short written summary of the show by going to beyondphilosophy.com backslash podcast summary. That's beyondphilosophy.com backslash podcast summary.